The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome everyone and thank you so much for being an intentional spirit and living out those good intentions every day regardless of circumstances or challenges or uh, just sometimes a habit that we call uh, procrastination. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show and be participating. You know, in my own life journey, there's uh, one thing I know for sure is that um, the key component to quality spiritual life is to have some sense of, um, of reality and connection and appreciation of this idea and reality that we call death. Um, I find that in, in my own life that people are living full out. They are dying, and yet do they ever die? And so you know how I feel about it when I always bring people on the show. It's like always talk to an ex- expert. And leading edge, borrow none, the person that helps people all over the world and has for many, many years is the one and only James Van Prock. Thank you for being on our show today, sir. It's a pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you very much, Temple. I appreciate being on your show. Thank you. Well, I appreciate the value that you bring to humanity of understanding, yes, loss and grief and those kind of human components. But I I think what you do is just, um, I've been in a room with hundreds and, you know, tens of thousands of people that they take a big breath um, because you're able to show them this thin veil of that actually they're still right there. We don't see yeah. them or experience them or necessarily invite them to dinner, but they're still there. Let us know a little bit about you for those that are listening for the first time, and we have people tuning in from all over the world, and for oh, some they okay. don't know you. Wow. Okay. Tell them how you got started, uh, James, on this journey of uh, talking to dead people all the time. Well, it wasn't something that I, <laughs> I didn't go to school <laughs> for, I guess. Um, I, I really, uh, as a young boy, I used to see spirit around people. I used to see lights and colors known as the aura uh, around people. I would be very uh, intuitive knowing when things would happen around the family, and uh, I, I remember I went to, bed, to sleep one night with my mother uh, saying prayers, my, my nightly prayers. We're kneeling by the side of the bed because I was raised uh, Catholic. And uh, I said, Mommy, who are those people at the end of the bed? And she said, oh, those are God's angels. You see them too. I used to see them when I was a little girl. And so it was never something that was looked down upon. It was always very positive. 
And I used to see them in uh, grade school. Um, I know things about the teacher's son that he was going to hit by a car, but he just broke his leg and it happened and things like that. And, and they encouraged me. They said, well, maybe this is a gift from God that it may, you'll help people one day. And I really didn't think anything of it. And probably around my teenage years, it stopped. I, didn't, I, didn't, I did not notice it. Um, it, was, it. It seemed very natural. I mean, I thought everybody could see these things because... As children, we measure a world around us by what our experiences, and those are my experiences. And I thought all kids could see that and know those things. But my mother told me, no, they can't. So what happened, I fast forward to my early 20s, and I went to California to be a sitcom writer because I, I think I'm pretty funny, but they obviously didn't. <laughs> so you are I funny. I end up in a strange way with how spirit works. It's a very strange way to, to do this. But I ended up working in a talent agency in the basement uh, pulling out staples out of contracts, preparing the, the contracts for microfiche in those days. And my supervisor went, wanted to go see a medium, and she asked me to join her. And I didn't know what that was, and she told me, and I said, I really don't believe in that. I don't, I don't know about that. I haven't had that experience. But I had no real belief in the afterlife. I believed in, I read Ernest Holmes a lot, and I believed in church religion mm-hmm. science, and I was, that was really kind of my wheelhouse. I kind of like, that made sense to me. So I went to this medium, and he looked at me and he said, you're a medium yourself. And I said, that's kind of crazy, but okay. And he did come through with details of loved ones that passed over, names and dates and very incredible things. So that got my interest stirring. And I went to read um, as many books as I could find on the subject every weekend at a bookstore called The Bodhi Tree in Los Angeles. And through that, I started meditating. And um, this man also said, in two years' time, the spirit world, they're going to use you to help change the consciousness of the planet. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. that's crazy. But he did get me interested because of this. He knew these things. So I read these books, and all of them had the same kind of theme about meditation, like if you want to find out who you are or what your journey in life will be, how to relax yourself and get to know your soul, do meditation. So I meditated every day. I didn't know how to meditate. It was not a formal way of doing it for me. I just knew it involved the breath, and then I involved like a visualization of a, a rose perhaps. So I did have to work every day, and I had temporary jobs. And then one day I was working at Paramount Studios, and a, a fellow worker went into her cubicle, and behind her was a spirit lady. And I hadn't seen a spirit in a long time. But I knew it was a spirit lady, and she looked right at me. And she didn't speak um, verbally. She telepathically sent me a thought or thoughts. And she said, I'm her grandmother. Tell her about the house in Idaho, the yellow house with the white shutters, and tell her about the footstool, <laughs> which kind of freaked me out. And I, I asked this girl, I, asked, I knew she was kind of cool because she did astrology, which I found, found fascinating. And I asked her, and she said, oh, that's my grandmama. She made a promise to me that at her house in the summer, where I'd visit her in Idaho every summer, that when she goes to heaven, she'd come back and let me know she's all right. And the last thing we did was she taught me how to do needlepoint, and we made a footstool cover together. So I called up, but I, I freaked out completely, and I ran back to my apartment, and I knew my life would change because now I could see dead people, and how can you deal with that? in society in those days. So I didn't know who to call up. I was really out of it, and um, I thought I'd call up that medium. I did, and he said, James, don't you remember the prediction made by the spirit world that you'll help change the consciousness of the planet? And I said, yeah, yes, vaguely. He said, James, it was two years ago today. So that two years ago today exactly, and I was, uh, that point on, I, I quit Paramount. He took me into his tutelage for a while, and I sat for every Tuesday night for several hours in a development circle, which means in the quiet, really. And to have spirit, the spirit world sensitize you, if you will. And, and I just, um, after a while, um, I helped him to get some money, helped him with his appointments. And then I started doing my own appointments. 
And I was busy for, I mean, but all by word of mouth within two months, and then once to six months, then a year. Then I had a two-year waiting list. And it was just two readings a day. And then all of a sudden, a producer from Unsolved Mysteries came in, and then another one from a show called The Other Side on NBC, and, and I was off and running. And then eventually my book came out, and that was where it started everything. So, yeah, it was 1997 my book came out, So and I've had 14 books since, bestsellers. And I travel all over the world uh, de- demonstrating, as you, you witnessed, demonstrating spirit communication that there is no such thing as death, it's an illusion. And, um, you know, I find, as you were talking earlier, Temple, I, I thought that it was really wonderful. And I just jotted some things down that death to me now, after doing this for 40 years, it's, a, it's really our perspective. It's, it's, our, it's how we look at death, because there is no death, but it's, it's, every day is a choice. You know, living every single day is a choice. I think every day is different than the day before and every day we have a choice to make the right choice for us and every day is possible to do anything and i think people if people looked and so that there is no death but if we were going to die tomorrow how would you live today would you do the things that you need to like would you um, call someone up and say i'm sorry but please forgive me or let go of the grudges the guilt the resentments and and really live a full life because when you can let go of that death thing that there's death you can really begin to live a full life and that's a lot, that's part of the teaching I do. It's just so gratifying. And I've, you know, like I was saying earlier uh, to those tuning in that I've been part of an audience and it is so powerful. I mean, you could literally see, I mean, I, I read energy, so I, I think yeah. I am a little bit, I don't know, do I say I'm more tuned in than some? I don't know, but I do read energy. And the You're point being yeah. not to impress anybody, but to impress upon you that there are so many people that I see before they hear you speak and before you call upon them or you see their loved one behind them or beside them. There's something energetically about them. They're not all there. It's like they're kind of, you know, um, naturally anesthetized for the depth of pain that they have from their loss. And what's interesting that I noted is, is while you speak to them over those few minutes, it's like ultimate life um, comes back into into their bodies and I, I think that's one thing that that we probably don't talk enough about I don't mean you but I mean mm-hmm. in you know in everyday languaging for people mm-hmm. is often people don't understand that it's one thing that a person dies I don't think we spend enough time with the people that die with them do you know what I mean yeah the, yes. the parent that loses the child that just wants to be half here from evermore or the person that loses the love of their life and they're, you know, just kind of not all here. Um, and that's to me so profound is that instantaneously in those moments that you're calling out the name and the situation and the experience and having the loved one speak, it's like immediate healing that those people are having, and that and is, many, it's got to be gratifying. On many levels as well, because that person that's receiving, the recipient that's receiving that communication also realizes, oh, wow, if this is really happening, that means that I'm also a soul. So if we try to start changing our, our, our perspective of death and, and ourselves, and if we start looking at ourselves that we're souls having a human experience, things would start changing because there is no death. And, and the, it's the, funny about the, the child thing. To me, it's the hardest soul lesson that there is in this, on this earth school is losing a child. It's a tough one. But I've often said, or the spirit world through me has said, 
Listen, this child lived 26 years and died at 27, and all you're concentrating on is the last day of that person's life. Is that really fair? They want you to remember the 26 years of life. And, and that's really important that people get that because thoughts are things, and they have to realize that their thoughts, if they're in grief, which is natural, it's a natural human experience, but if you stay with that grief and become an, a professional griever, it's not only hurting yourself from developing and expanding and learning, but also the spirit. It hurts them in a way that they can't move on because they're concerned about you. So in that respect, it, it's difficult, and that we're trying to change that up, their relationship with death and what death is all about. It's really important that people start realizing through the work they realize that, you know, they're a soul having human experience, not the other way around. So they could look at themselves and the world that we are souls here having a human experience, and that's what it is. And part of that is that death is just a movement, it's a change, and everything in life is movement. And that's just a, a, a time for the soul to graduate, to go home. And sometimes the soul only needs lessons of birth or, or 10 years in life or, or 60 years in life or 100 and they go home and graduate. They learn their lessons. They can go home. And, and it's, it's, it's a celebration when they leave because they're back home. They don't have to go through this whole human density and this, the problems of this human part. But we need to real, realize that this is not who we are. We're just here temporarily. And that what happened yesterday is yesterday. What happened tomorrow is tomorrow. We could better live in the moment, living right now, and live a full life in this day, each day. Because each day is different. How are we going to make it better? And um, what you just said, you just said something about your relatives, the, the Southern Baptist relatives messing with you. And I just want to speak on that a little bit because uh, many people ask me about those who believe in a religious life, whether it's Southern Baptism or Muslim or Christian or Jewish or uh, atheist or whatever it might be. We find that when they pass the, the body, that the mind continues on. The mind is the soul. The soul is the mind. And the, the brain is part of the body that dies off. But the mind continues on, which is the soul. So in the mind is all of our experiences of this life, the memories of this life, and, and other lives, by the way. But also it's very much part of our mindset of what we have. So if we're very indoctrinated into a religion, that's what we expect when we move out of the body, which we will have. We will have the experience of living in a, at a level that is very re religious, very Christian. Let's say it's a Christian. It'll be with a bunch of Christians. or will be with a bunch of Muslims. or will be with a bunch of uh, Buddhists. And, and you get to that space. And you are there for as long as you want to be there, and you don't have to. You can grow on and expand just like you can here on the earth. But you're still the same way immediately as you pass over. And I was doing a demonstration in an audience once, uh, and I was talking to a girl, a man, whose aunt was in the spirit world. And as I'm talking to this person, I realize that there's another spirit coming into the side of me, and I see it's a, another, an older man with his arms folded. And I knew it was this gentleman's father who had passed. And I telepathically said to that father, do you want to speak to your son? And he said, why would I do, would do that? I didn't believe in this in life. Why would I believe in this in death? So it's that same mindset that continues on, which is very interesting. Yeah, it is, it is fascinating. And it, it, it's like I, I say to people, you know, with, when you do die, you take you, you know, wherever you go. And I, right. I just feel very strongly about, about that and, and you're, Again, just validating that that whole thing. Well, mm -hmm. why do you feel that? Um, I was talking not long ago about you know certainly in unity and um, science of mind and in new thought we certainly think of God or Creator or principle as an entirely different thing than a mm -hmm. you know old man up in the sky with a beard that needs That's to be right. trimmed things like that. 
But, uh, you know, I said that I feel uh, it would be helpful for everyone to kind of check in and make sure that you're not uh, promoting a God that on a deeper level that you're actually angry at. And the reason that you may be angry, and I was just throwing out, you know, I'd like to force people to think, most of all me, and not get too complacent with, you know, dogma. But Mm -hmm. I said, imagine that on some level, maybe even subtle, that we're angry at this Mm -hmm. creator for creating us. And we're mad because why did you create us to die? And when Mm -hmm. we do face a loved one dying and that kind of thing, then it could be, just on some level, that we are revisiting that particular anger yet again because we're having to deal with this same reality. Why, James, do you feel, of all the years you've been doing this, you know, why have we made this our hell uh, on earth? Why are we afraid of it? Uh, why do we say things like it's unexpected when, as far as we know, it's expected on all of our behalves? What? What are your feelings around? I, I, I just think, <clears throat> well, to address a couple of things you said, I, I also believe God is a, a pure, beautiful, loving energy. And I think, to me, God is love, love is God, and every single person is that and has that within them. Um, and that's, that's the way it is I've, I've learned. And that we all are God, and, and it's important for us to, to see God in that person first every day and have that relationship, see their light, see their God light. I think that with death, it's, I think it's ignorance. I think it's like there's a limited experience of that person or knowledge, and they don't know enough. And I think that's, that's very true. They just don't know enough, or they've become indoctrinated so much in religion when they were younger that that's kind of their thing. But I, I must say, Temple, I think things are changing. I, in my time of doing this for close to 40 years, I've noticed big changes as far as the consciousness, as far as um, the younger generations now. I, I don't think they buy into dogma as much as other generations. I think they're open for other things. Um, so I, I think it's part of just not having experience and, and, and not having really the opportunity to see a medium or know about mediumship. And now we do because we have television shows uh, with mediumship. We have movies. We have a lot of books. It's becoming more in the norm, which is a great thing to see. And, and it's, again, it's, it's people like myself going out there and teaching about the relationship with death and that there is no such thing. And it really comes back to the golden rule, how you treat others, you treat yourself as you treat others. And that's really what the spirit world will often talk about. Your thoughts, your actions, and your words have energy, and you have to do the best you can because when you pass into the spirit world, you'll be met by all of the actions, the thoughts, and the words that you created. They'll be waiting for you. So that's really the great equalizer. If we could be more, but that would force us, hopefully, to be more responsible for what we put out into the ethers with our thoughts and the actions and our words. Those things count. Imagine if the world knew that. Imagine if every person on this earth knew that what they said, the actions that they did, the words that they used, would be a, be a consequence for that. I think it would teach them to be much more mindful and respectful and responsible in living a life instead of just saying things. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Well, I have uh, one grandmother, and I, I have been communicating with the other side for a, a long time on, on a personal level, let me say, not professionally with other people. Mm-hmm. But I I, um, I have a grandmother that communicates with me by way of a beach ball that mm-hmm. may show up in the middle of the ocean um, mm-hmm. or may show up somewhere in a backyard or, you know, right mm-hmm. now I have one in a tree. And so that comes from my, my grandmother. And then I have a, a deep loved one 
that has been uh, gone since 1989. She died. And mm -hmm. um, she sends me numbers all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, I know that you like to address that as well because um, they communicate in many different ways with many different people. That's exactly right. It's just, it just reminds me so much of the movie Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg because, um, you know, he, she wanted so much to communicate with Sam, and Sam wanted to find a medium that could work with him. And that's really the way it is. Many times they, they could look for a medium that can really work with them because that medium usually, usually has to have certain references in their mind that that spirit also had so they can associate with it. But spirit will work any way they can to let you know that they're alive and they're around. They can, and it's really up to their own character. If they were someone that was interested in science, they might be able to affect the electromagnetic field in some way and have lights blinking on and off or work on the, the computer with you or give you a message on your phone or on the radio they play a certain song. I don't know how they do it or, or have change, you know, coins found or, um, or beach balls in trees or butterflies. There's all different ways that they try to come through. And many times it's very interesting when we're driving the car and we think of somebody that's passed, it's usually, I find, the spirit sitting next to them in the car in the next seat sending them telepathically a thought of themselves. And the human, of course, is like, oh, I wonder how they're doing. And it's really originating from the spirit who's sitting right next to them. So <laughs> is that interesting? So they try every different way possible for their loved one to know that they're alive, that there is no, de no such thing as death. I recently was on an airplane from uh, New York to L.A., and uh, my best friend's mother passed, and we knew she was passing, but, and she was very much she was aware of this world. Her father was a medium. And, um, but she didn't really want to go. She was a therapist, a psychotherapist here. She didn't want to go, but she had to go. She had cancer. <clears throat> anyway, I'm coming home on this plane. I'm sleeping. It was one of those planes that just, I could sleep on the plane. So I was sleeping, and I was awakened very, very abruptly by a lady standing over Her name was Lou. And she said, James, please tell them I'm not dead. It's so insulting. Stop calling me dead. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to call my friend as soon as I landed. I said, um, your, Lou, your mom said she's not dead. Stop thinking she's dead. And she said, that's amazing because my family was just saying, oh, I wish she wasn't dead. <laughs> so, you know, they get so insulted. We're not dead. We're, you know, we're not a, become, we don't become a figment of your imagination. Imagine that, that, that it become a figment of your imagination. How, that's so, so sad to think about that. That they're very, they're very real. We're really the dead ones. They're the ones that are alive. And that's the whole thing, isn't it? We have, um, as a culture, so much energy around, you know, this death thing when that's uh, so spot on what you're saying. We're the ones that in so many ways are, are dead, dead from, you know, the possibility of a greater under, of a under, greater understanding or acceptance. I um, also had a, a fun thing um, with uh, one of my pets. Uh, she was quite aged. She was blind and couldn't hear. And so at, towards the end of her life for the last couple of years, she was only in one section of the house for her own safety, um, but always interacting, you know, with the family. But anyway, uh, so she died. And all of a sudden, my Papanese, who is it's a dog that looks like a Benji dog and mm. about 20 pounds, he started asking permission every mm. time to get up on the bed. And he never, he's a Leo, so you already know. He didn't mm. ask for anything. He just mm -hmm. took what he wanted. But all of a sudden, he started asking. So I called an animal communicator, and she said, oh, that's because Sassy is now up on the bed sleeping there at night. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. That happens. Oh, yeah, that happens. That's funny. And he's that trying, to, you know, trying to find the room because he's trying to figure out. And so I said, Sassy, it's okay if you sleep here, but you need to move over a little bit, you know, because Missy wants to come right in. And 
I love this journey. It is so amazing to have what, what? Well, my doggy comes in every, every morning. I have to walk. We go back to bed, and the doggy, my one doggy, Maisie, stays at the bottom of the bed, and she's looking all around the room, and she sees spirit all around the room. She's looking every morning that happens. So she sees them all the time. Yeah. It's absolutely uh, fascinating. Well, I want to remind all of you tuning in on Unity Online Radio as well as right here on Facebook Live with James Van Fox, some important things. One is... Go to his website, vanprog.com, V-A-N-P-R-A-A-G-H.com, vanprog.com, and find out more about him, tuning in with him, the consultations that he does. It's life-altering. And the other part is to um, state that he's going to be, he travels all over the world, but he's going to be in St. Petersburg, Florida, July the 22nd and 23rd. He does. His tickets sell very quickly. And so you want to respond to that right away, either on his website or by going to firstunity.org. And as I said, the tickets sell out really quick. And so this is a moment, one of those defining moments in your life as an intentional spirit that you don't want to miss it because it will change your life just experiencing it. And one of the things that I've recognized, um, James, in being an audience member, it doesn't matter if you're the person that gets picked or not, you know, in the live audience setting. That's right. Because every person that has somebody that um, has died that they're communicating with, there's some kind of connection for yourself as an audience member. And I think, I don't think, I know the whole room gets kind of transformed about this idea that we, we call death. We're going to be taking a, um, about a three-minute break, but I want to urge some of you to call in to Unity Online Radio or to ask your questions um, that you have related to your life that um, James can be available to answer because we still have yet another almost half hour for the show. And you don't get opportunities like this every day because he is the most gifted I've ever met, and not only that, but the most approachable and the most caring as far as energetically. He is someone that, regardless of more and more famous, the guy doesn't change. He's still as open-hearted <laughs> as he has always been, and I'm just proud to know him in every way. So um, thank you for tuning in, and we're going to take a short break and enjoy it, and we'll be right back with you. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation. Or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. 
It's not about all the rules that you have in, in other churches. And just come and visit one time and see what you think. When I first walked in the door here, I knew nothing about it. They had a slogan on the wall that said, One God, Many Paths. And that kind of made me listen harder for quite a while. And everything I heard was consistent with that, which meant this wasn't like any church I'd been to before. And it just keeps unfolding. The big lesson, there are so many, but the big lesson is to trust, to have faith, to meditate, and to be open to learning and seeing the world in very diverse ways perspectives. Find out more. Visit unity.org. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing. Another is about finding peace in troubled times. And the family cards are two decks. One for parents and one that can be colored on for children. So families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on shop or call 1-800-24-UNITY Monday through Friday. Take some time to relax and tune into spirit with Reverend Paulette Pipe and Touching the Stillness. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central, join Paulette for a soul-stirring meditation that will leave you energized and inspired. Tune in and connect with listeners around the world in affirmative prayer. Not your everyday radio show. Touching the Stillness will help you bring new meaning and clarity to your life. Find Paulette on Facebook and listen each week right here at Unity Online Radio. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment. Unity founder Charles Fillmore is quoted as saying, Here is a mental treatment guaranteed to cure every ill. Sit for half an hour every night and mentally forgive everyone against whom you have any ill will. The act of forgiveness is powerful medicine. Is there someone in your life that you can work on forgiving? Try this exercise tonight. To forgive is to set yourself free. Find out more about Unity at unity.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, uh, James Van Frog. And um, it was interesting that one of the commercials was uh, Charles Fillmore talking about staying current. And that's exactly what you were saying, James, is to live each day that it's happened. And it's been your best day. Let it go and move on and uh, kind of be in that place of being current in your life. is It's kind of what it is all about. We, well, we well, I, I, I it complicated, I, don't we? Yeah, I, I often say that in my lectures when I'm speaking and doing a demonstration. I, I'm also a teacher, of course. I teach the work that I do. And, and, and in teaching, I've learned this, and I, I spread it out, that life is really a series of choices. And if we look back at our lives, it really was a series of choices that we decided to make. And many people make those choices based upon, you know, their childhood, that they were programmed to be a certain way. And we become, a lot of us become people pleasers because we just want love or approval or acceptance. 
So we'll do what our parents want or society wants, and we have to go down that road, and we become people pleasers, and our whole life becomes that way until maybe midlife or 50s or 60s. You look back and say, I'm not really happy, and the reason why we're not happy is because we've used fear to motivate us because the only reason we want to please others is that we won't get love, that it's fear. And, and really, choices can be either fear or love, and that's really the, all there is. And love is a natural vibration of our souls. So the more we can do things out of love, make choices out of love, the happier we will be. And if we're living in fear, if you're living in the present moment, if you're if really living in the moment of the day, there is no fear because fear is from the past. So if you're still living in fear, you're living in the past. You cannot have fear in the present moment this day. So that's the past. So if we can learn to do that and be mindful of the day that you're living, each day is different. The past has happened, the future is yet to be. And that's where we have to be, within that space of the now. Like the power of now, as Eckhart Tolle refers to, the power of now, living in the moment. That's really that counts the most, living in the moment. And then we are, we are participating in the life if we're living in the moment. Yeah, it's very, it's very powerful. Well, what do you feel, um, you know, with... Like, I think about my own life, for example, and, you know, I had all my great-grandparents uh, and my grandparents and great-aunts and uncles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And by the time I was 35 or 40, I had already had so many people that were on the other side. And so one of the things I just uh, remembered uh, really early on writing a poem about it is that I I didn't declare that day like putting it on the calendar. Well, don't you remember? That's when your grandpa died. That's when your grandma. Because I just felt like, you know, I could almost fill up a big part of the year. Um, I'm not saying it's good, bad, or indifferent, but is that a wonderful thing when people year after year after year keep reliving those days every year about people who have died? Or what's your. What's your I, I think it's very nice that, and I think the spirit world appreciate you living. And this is really interesting because they really appreciate you living the happier memories of them. Um, when they come back and communicate, they will often talk about things that happened in the childhood or family gathering or the wedding or something much younger time of the life. But there was a happiness about that. And they like to live in the happy memories. So it's, it's really great for the humans to think of them with happy memory, happier times. That's what they want with us, to think of them as happy times, not they're sick and going to die or the dead happy times that you shared together, you made moments, you made memories together, and that's really what they, they want us to be about, because in the spirit world, they can't make memories. They can only make memories here in the physical world, because there is no time in the spirit world. So that's, they live by the memories that are created, and that's the happiness that they have. So if we can remember them with happiness and happier times, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Rather than playing old tapes all the time, every time, every time. Like, yeah, and then you become the, then you become the professional that. griever, and you don't want to do that. <laughs> that's not good for you or anyone else. Yeah, good, good, good. I, that's, that was just a sense that I had, but because you work with this all the time, I, I wanted to check in with that, too, because I'm a student of life just like everybody else. Yep. Um, yep. One of the things that I've, um, I've seen, and I, I think part of it is that, you know, um, you, you get used to it, and you broaden your beliefs about, yeah. oh, it's just, it's, they're not really dying, even though physically mm-hmm. I'll miss going over and having a spot of tea. But um, I have, I was, I thought like with my shamanic teacher who, who died, um, it would soon be a year ago, it was like 
I held that in such a different way, and I, mm-hmm. I had an experience about it in such a different way um, that I actually had like moments like, wow, I, I think I'm starting to be like a real grown up <laughs> 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 or whatever. But I, but it was interesting, and it, it's like because I did not buy into that there was something undone or mm-hmm. something that, well, you know, if I'd gone over that last time or whatever. It was just real interesting. I I also felt like like she passed on to me uh, some more gifts, you know, mm-hmm. for me to use. I felt mm-hmm. much more clairvoyant. I felt mm-hmm. much more aware, and I didn't take that into my awareness or try to say, "Well, I'm going to do this and see what comes from that." It just kind of happened. Um, that, that's very common too, Temple. When someone passes over, whether it's in a relative, usually. Um, it just happened to my friend Maureen Hancock, who's a medium in Massachusetts. Her, her mother passed over, um, uh, gosh, and it was the day before we did a demonstration together, and she said, no, my mother would like me to do this. And she said, you know, since my mother passed away yesterday, I feel like I've become more psychic, more open, and her readings were phenomenal. And they often do that. They will open, I say they open the portal sometimes. They open the portal even more so. So that is very common that does, that does happen indeed. It's really a beautiful thing. Well, I'm I'm sure that over the years, you you know, you just have so many stories. Has um, can you think of you know one or two that sure sure like oh my gosh, it made me so glad that I am fortunate. Sure, I mean there's some there's hundreds of thousands, but one before I start that, you were just talking about uh, each day, and just to share with everybody how I wake up every morning is I and I I've done this, I've become a habitual with this, which is. I wake up and I have, um, I start the day with an attitude of gratitude, and I have gratitude for the full day, and I, I, I kind of in the morning think, okay, what am I going to learn today? It's the art of discovery. What new thing will I learn today? And that makes it exciting, and that makes it like, wow, I'm looking for something different, then what will I learn? And that's a great way to start your day off, so I just want to mention that. Um, and that would be great for people to get into that. And then and one of the readings, which... Um, stayed with me, because a lot of it I don't remember, but this stayed very strongly within me because it was so impactful. I was in Maui, um, Maui, Hawaii, about a year ago, or two years ago now, and 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 I had to, um, I did a reading for a little three-year-old girl, she was, her name was, uh, I don't know, her name, it was a spirit girl, and she said, I want to speak to my parents, they're in the back, and she was jumping up and down, she goes, it's my birthday, it's my birthday. So I said, there's a little girl here, and she wants people in the back, her mother and father in the back row. She has blonde hair. She's three years old today. And this couple stood up, a young couple, and she said a lot of things that they understood. And she then said, I want to thank my daddy for my angel wings. And I said, do you understand that? And he said, I do. And he turns around, and there's a big guy, and he pulls his T-shirt off, and on his back he had <clears throat> tattooed two big angel wings for his daughter's birthday. So that was pretty great. Uh, so 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 powerful. We have some people calling in, James, that have questions for you. We're certainly not surprised by that. And we're greeting Deborah. Thank you for being and calling in on our show today on Unity Online Radio. Glad to have you. Oh, I'm so glad you could take my call. Thanks so much, James. I'm I'm a big fan. I'm really oh, glad I could uh, get in touch today. Wait, <laughs> what's your name? Uh, Deborah. Deborah. Hi, Deborah. Hi. Uh, I've been following your work for a while, um, and I love the conversation. Um, so I just had a, a quick question uh-huh. about uh, tuning in myself, you know, and, uh-huh. and uh, receiving messages and, and kind of making that connection a little bit stronger. And I really feel lately like I've had some dreams 
um, uh, about my mother and, you know, just kind of trying to improve that connection so that I can, I can feel closer to her and, and kind of talk with her. Um, she passed uh, in 2007. But, um, you know, I know that there are ways that you can kind of increase that, uh, that connection with the spirit world. And where do you live, Deborah? Oh, I'm I'm in uh, California, in L.A. Okay, okay. You sound so familiar. Um, <laughs> like I, like I've known you. Um, one, one, of the, one of the things that I'm uh, I can um, I've done was I've created a school online. It's called the JVP School of Mystical Arts, and in there I have many different courses I've created on intuition development. So it's um, uh, people should go on that. You can go on that on, online. And check out which works for you. And it's a, it's an intuition course. I have psychic portals. It's just a matter of, of tuning in and being um, becoming more aware. So taking the time to tune in and using your own soul's um, voice, the intuition, and practicing it. So I, I cover that in the school, and that that will help you. Oh, I'll definitely check that out. And what about? I mean, spirit does contact you through dreams, right? I mean, should I keep a log or? You know, how do I yes. know it's not just yes, it, my brain? Yes, the, the, the best thing to do is to keep a, <laughs> a, a log by the side of your bed. I tell people all the time that um, it, it's because we don't remember the conscious mind. So if you can keep a log, a dream journal on the side of the bed, and um, when you have these dreams, you kind of force yourself to wake up, and you will, and you write everything down, and then you go back to sleep. And in the morning when you look at the journal, it's uh, it's like, wow, I, I dreamt this. And that way you can keep... Uh, really, uh, a, a really an ongoing, if you will, uh, list of how they come through to you and different symbols they use, the communication you can have with them. So, the dream journal is very important, and they'll come through, like I said before, in all different types of ways. I'll have, I'll have to try that because this particular dream I had recently was just really very vivid. It was kind of different from just a regular, you know, dream that you would have about just stuff that happened during the day. Um, so right. I wanna, well, many you know, times make, it's like, make I call crossovers where the soul actually leaves the body at night and goes to that spirit world, and we actually see our loved ones, and we see our teachers and guides, and we can work on um, situations that will be coming into the physical life. We can look at it and how we're going to handle that. So we work a lot when we leave the body at night, um, and then we come back in the morning, the soul comes back into the body in the morning, and that's, that's really what happens. And sometimes people come back and they feel exhausted in the morning. That's because they've been working all night. So that, that does happen. We do work. That's really well, I'll powerful. Pay, I'll pay more Thank attention. Thank you so much, Deborah. Thank and you. Thank you, Deborah. I feel like I know you. Thank you very much for calling. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I bet you do. So, Gina, we have Gina on the call with us. Gina, welcome. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. How are you? Um, awesome. Um, Good. And I know I want to make this quick because I know there's probably people waiting like I waited. Um, James, I just really needed to know if you have a message for me from um, a loved one. There's several that have crossed over. And at this point in my life right now, I feel like I'm at a fork in the road. And I was just more curious than anything to see if anything came through for me. The way I do it on the radio is really because it's so much it's short time. If you have one specific spirit that you want to contact. Did your dad pass over? Yes. Yeah, that, 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 well, that's the first one I'm picking. It was your father, so he's the strongest that's coming in. But I usually ask, but he's right, he's right next to you. He's right next to you on your left side. And um, I, for some reason, he's given me the impression that there's going to be some legal documents you're going to be signing. 
And I, I like that. It feels good to me. Um, that could be a contract for a job or something. Or there's something, this change is coming. But it feels like um, it might seem very, very, he gives me a sense of it might seem very, very like nothing's happening and all of a sudden it'll change. But there's definitely some legality about it. It feels good, but it's some legality type of thing. There's a change there. Um, <clears throat> I, I think you also tend to keep yourself, you keep yourself hidden or keep yourself away from change and might be a little afraid of change. And change is actually a very good thing. So I, I think that you have to embrace that and try to have a, a mindset that you look forward to something new in the future, and that will help the energy to to move it along. Okay. All right. That was excellent. Thank you. Oh, and did you get a new pair of earrings recently? Um, no, I have been thinking about earrings lately, but I don't know why. It was like the other day. Well, I just... For some reason, your father wants me to get, he's telling me that she's going to get a new pair of earrings and I'm going to give them to her. So if you find that you're walking to the store and all of a sudden you stop and look at there's some earrings you love, that's your dad taking over your mind, if you will, influencing you to stop and look because he's going to bring you earrings. And that sounds very strange, but that's a gift. I don't know if there's a birthday coming up or what it might be, but there's something he wants to give you these earrings for. So when you get them, you can think of him and listen to what he says in your mind. Okay, perfect. Okay. All right. Well, okay, that's really so powerful. And Gina, when you buy those earrings, make a photo and, and send it on Facebook Live on my page. And I'll post okay, it. Yeah, that'd be great. I definitely will. That'd be great. Listeners, that's a very, a very, very powerful thing. Um, they do that very often. They'll often buy gifts for us. They buy things and, and readings that I do. Many of the readings... They'll come through and say, oh, you just got a new car. Yes, I did. I helped you get that car or I helped you get the house. They don't just um, float around in clouds over there. They're very busy. They they tend many times, and a lot of people don't know this, but many times they tend to be our guides. Um, for instance, um, a parent who didn't feel he did enough for their child on the earth will pass back home in spirit, and they now want to become a guide of theirs to help them with their with their path because they can do more on the other side than this side. And that's exactly what happened with Princess Diana she um, passed over uh, in the car accident. She had a um, kind of an out-of-body experience, and she had a choice. They gave her a choice to go back into the body or not to. And she said that she could help them more from the other side than from this side. <clears throat> Excuse me. So she decided they could pass on, but that's what she said. And she came to me. I was supposed to do a reading for her before she left for, for France. They changed the whole thing around. But she did come afterwards and said that to me very clearly. And I can see that. I, I can see it. So it does happen that way, and... They will always look out for us. One thing also I should point out, Temple, is that many people think that just because someone's passed into the spirit world that they have all the knowledge and awareness that there is. And the truth is they don't. They're the same personality that they were when they were on the earth. And many times they learn from us down here on the earth. We're their teachers. They'll look at a situation that we, we go get involved in and how we handle it, and they can say, wow, I wouldn't have handled it that way. That's so interesting that they were more passionate or, or understanding or, or patient so they do learn from us as well so we should have that understanding well one of the things that i've heard in different kind of settings is that um do they when people go are they the same age wherever they are than when they were here question good question become their favorite age you know like oh that's trim and and looking my best um with my hair long at that point. I mean, <laughs> what is you're, that about? You're free to have any body you want, any time you want, which you felt was your happiest time. I find that a lot of them go back to the prime of their life, 27 to 33 usually. 
Um, when I had my near-death experience, and my father was 27 years old, and it would immediately, he was 27 years old, and I, I just knew that. And, and it, they do tend to go back to a young time. Um, and when you see them, they'll look very young. Um, many of them, when they come to me and I'm reading, many times they'll come as the, the way they looked before they passed, so the, the person in the audience can recognize them. And they might look better now, but they will give me the impression of what they looked like right before they passed so that person can identify them. But truly, they are much younger, if you will, on the other side. That is so cool. I mean, I, I just, you must just love your work. I mean, it just must be, um, you know, were you just always like, okay, as I got the message, I mean, here I am and this is what I'm supposed to do? Or it just found you, if you will, at such a rapid speed that it just, you just kept on being in it, being in it, being in it, and just that this is what I'm here to do this lifetime. Yeah, yeah, it felt very comfortable to me. It felt, um, I always knew there was something, especially after I started reading books after that one meeting with that medium from England when I was a little boy, when I was younger. Um, it felt right to me, and reading all the books I read felt very, very right to me. Um, when I read Out on a Limb by Shirley MacLaine, it felt this is real, this is truthful, I know this deep inside me. And, and it is. It's, it's, and the more I got into it, and then I started doing the readings, and it felt this was right for my soul, this is my soul's work. And I knew I came back for this work. And I was wondering why I came back on a, such a level of, um, um, really a, a multiple level of being known all over the world, a global level. And the funny thing is, I was once, uh, I had a regression, and I asked the question during the regression of why would I choose to be a medium on a, on a platform which is around, people know me around the world on television and so forth. And it was very interesting because they showed me, or I, I was seeing myself, my face, my mustache and my blue eyes, which always seemed to be there. And, and what was happening was I realized that I was wearing a uniform, and I was a general. And I was a general then, and the uniform changed very quickly, so I was a general in several different wars, I mean many wars. And it was always my responsibility to go in and tell my men when to go kill people. So now I've come back in this lifetime to go and heal people. So it's on a global level to kind of burn off that karma, or equalize that karma, I should say, all those many, many, many lifetimes where I was responsible for killing them, now in this lifetime, I'm responsible for healing them on such a larger scale, just to balance it out. And also, of course, to bring light to the world and encouragement and enlightenment and education to people. And, and really, one thing I want to say, which is very important, and I tell this to my audiences, which they find very interesting, is um, I talk to dead people, and that's, that's fine. I, I can do that. I'm good at that. I'm able to do that. But the hardest part of my job, really, for me is when I look at people in my audience or if I do one-on-one -on -one reading and I see around them their colors, I see their opportunity, I see their soul cells, I see their higher self, I'm very aware, and I'm very aware of the gifts that they have and who they truly are and they don't see it for themselves. That's the hard part. And, and part of the reading is to have them to open up a little bit to their true essence of themselves, not who they think they are, but who they truly are. So that's the hard part. That's the hard part of my work. Not to talking to dead people, it's that part. And it's not, it's not having people believe that I can do this or not. That, that doesn't bother me or faze me. It's really having that individual try to see that themselves, their own light, and honor it and see that God within themselves and live that. So that's really what my work is about now. I, I developed a school online, as I was telling your, your first caller there. And um, it, it's really a wonderful school that goes all different directions as far as healing and transformation and intuitive work and soul work. 
And it really is, um, we have to take the time to look at ourselves as a soul being and live our lives accordingly because so many of us are caught up in the world, the day-to-day world or what other people think of us or even the news. I mean, the, the, the violence and negativity out there, that's real, that's energy. And I've chosen not to watch the news in two years. I will not watch the news at all because I choose to um, open my mind up to positive things, whether it's artwork or, or reading books or uh, helping uh, at a volunteer center or um, gardening. Something keeps my mind open and creative. And um, anyway, I, I think we should get into that sense of being responsible for ourselves as, as that beautiful sacred being that we are and understanding more and discovering more about ourselves, I should say. Being that gatekeeper of what's going into our mind and what's influencing us on any uh, given time. And I know for a number of years you've actually been um, teaching through workshops people how to do uh, some of the gifts that you do. Will you be offering that when you're here in St. Petersburg? I think you're doing a Sunday Monday. Yes, I am. I'll be doing a one-day workshop there where I'll be helping people at all different levels of intuition, of mediumship, of self-transformation. Um, I, one of the things I do right away, and I'm, I'm a really, I will say I'm a pretty great teacher there. I'm one of the best metaphysical teachers out there, I believe, and I've been told that by many. And, and one of the first things I do, I don't waste time, but I have people recognize that their soul self. And one of the exercises, which is really great, is I have them walk around a room in a mindful walk, and then I, I ring a, a chime. They have to stop and find a pair of eyes to look into. And I look into someone else's eyes, and I say, try to see the soul of that person. And then I ring, ring the gong again, and then they walk around, ring it again, and I stop and look into the eyes of another person, and now see your own soul through that person's eyes. And that what limitations, what limits you from being the best you can be, seeing it through someone else's eyes. So I do a bunch of things like that and on the workshops, and, and those one-day workshops really do transform people and get them right in their path, and they have a whole... People end up crying at the end of the day because they... They find themselves again. They they forgot they forgot who they were, and um, they're finding themselves again. And that true love of self comes out. And as you can tell, there's it's definitely a call, and you don't want to miss it. So please be sure and come and be part of things with us. July the twenty second and July the twenty third. It's on firstunity.org, and it's also vanprog.com. So vanprog.com. We have a, a a beautiful spirit writing in from Norway. Uh, Elizabeth Strom says that she is currently in your school, loves okay. it, and it is amazingly powerful. And Elizabeth, I'm not surprised you're in his school. I mean, it's just no surprise the two of you found each other. Um, it's such an amazing human being that she is. So I'm glad she's with you, James. That's really wonderful. And, and there are people from all over the world, all over the world, that, that take the school from Africa to Brazil to Australia. Oh, everywhere. It's amazing. Canada, everywhere. Well, you know, there's a there's a saying where people are, are looking out and they see a farmer and they said to the farmer, why are you outstanding in your field? And he said, well, I heard that in order to get a Nobel Peace Prize, I must be outstanding in my field. So. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's funny. So I, I want to say for you, sir, you are so outstanding in your field. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so immensely grateful that you are on the planet and that you, you are really the trailblazer uh, that has Thank opened you. up all these doors for other mediums to follow and yeah. that it's now considered consider the new norm of people that are hearing about death and realizing there's a small 
small, small bell. And thank you, Jan, James Van Proctor, for who you are and what you do. And what a blessing you are to you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I look forward to being with you in July. Look forward to it as well. God bless you on this amazing journey we call life. Uh, God bless you and everyone listening. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's on firstunity.org or my website, templehaze.com. And you'll see uh, various YouTubes and different experiences. You can also go to the New Thought channel, either online or on Roku. And you can actually watch an interview that uh, I had with James Van Prague. And he tells more about the great stories of his life and, and people that he has touched and, and transformed. What a beautiful, beautiful, gifted person. God bless you, everyone. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.